0: Today's message is Thanks Living, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 22, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. And as we all know, this last week begins one of the most glorious times of the year in the state of Wisconsin. And you might be thinking of, what, I, what am I talking about? Well, gun deer hunting, of course. It's a time of year where the citizens of Wisconsin transform into the largest standing army in all of the world. I saw a statistic about that, that there are more people carrying guns in Wisconsin right now than any standing army in the world. And we're all dedicated to saving all of us from those evil brown quadruped beasts that run out in front of us when we're driving. So remember, thank a deer hunter for saving your car because they're out there in the cold right now. Um... (laughs) I'm trying to take care of that for you. And you never know, they might even share some of the bounty with you if they can get a chance to shoot one. But there's another important holiday during this time. It's a holiday of Thanksgiving. It's a time when families get together and they feast on turkey and cranberries and stuffing and pumpkin pie and spend time visiting with loved ones who live in different areas. And especially visit those who live in areas where the deer are plentiful. We'd always go up to my grandparents um, during this time and kind of combine time with the grandparents with deer hunting. And some of my favorite memories, in fact, were getting to take those few days off of school and drive to Hayward, where we were all cramming in my grandparents' little house. Ladies did the cooking, the guys went hunting. Sometimes they took, took me, and I remember my whole job was to do KP after the supper was done. And there were a lot of dishes. I remember having to do that. And it was still, though, it was a great time, a wonderful time. I learned a lot from my grandpa about deer hunting and just being in the woods. And I'm really thankful that that God gave me that experience growing up. And the older I get and look back to where he's brought me from, you know, the more thankful I am. I am actually a fairly retrospective person when it comes to that. When I look backward and I just go, wow, God has super blessed me in my life. And that thought led me to look in the Bible just to see how many times that Jesus gave thanks to his Father, that he praised his Father. And I found seven times in the Bible that Jesus gave thanks or praise to God the Father. And he did it more than seven, but these are just seven I'm going to bring up here. First of all, he praised God because he said, Thou hast hid the things from the wise and the proven, and hast veiled them, uh, revealed them unto babes. And that is in Matthew 11.25. He said the same phrase again with thanks in Luke, in Luke 10.21. He gave thanks before feeding the 4,000 in Matthew 15.36 and Mark 8.6, before feeding the 5,000 in John 6.11, before raising Lazarus from the dead in John 11.41, before sharing wine at the Passover meal in Luke 22.17 and 18, and before breaking bread in Luke 22.19 and sharing wine in Matthew 26.27. And it occurred to me that Jesus didn't just live a life of thanksgiving, he could better be defined as living a life of thanksgiving. In other words, he had a heart that overflowed with thankfulness for his Father. And let's look at this thought and dig a little deeper into that now as we read our scripture for today. In Luke 22, starting in verse 14, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks. And he broke it and gave it to them and saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Father God, asked, Lord, as we see the examples of you giving thanks to God, of you always looking for a reason to bring praise to the Father, that you would help us, to, help us and inspire us to live that kind of life, Lord, to not gripe, to not worry, to not complain, but to see you for who you are, our great provider, our great sustainer, our great healer, a loving Father that wants to bless his children. Father God, I ask, Lord, that you do this through your word this morning. And I ask this in your name. Amen. Now, one of the reasons today that the church seems to be losing its influence in the culture and its its influence in the nation is because its members, I think, have lost this idea of living a life filled with thanks toward God. And I think many of us, and I would include myself in this, have been swept up in this world of consumerism. We always want the latest, we always want the greatest, we always want the best thing out there. The other day I was in the store and there was a very tired looking mother trying to get their five or six year old daughter to quit grabbing everything off the shelf. And the child is just having this massive temper tantrum in the aisle screaming, I want it! I want it! I want it! I want it now! And when, you're, when you've been a parent of young children, you have kind of this weird um, dichotomy going on where you really sympathize with the mother, and then you just want to grab the kid and give it a whack on the butt and say, behave. You have that, that kind of weird thing that's going on. And it drives you kind of crazy when you see it. It reminded me of that bratty kid, Veruca Salt, from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. If you're not familiar, there's a guy named Willy Wonka. He takes his kids on a tour of his chocolate factory after they found a a golden ticket in a Wonka bar. And Veruca Salt is just this extremely selfish little girl. And she keeps yelling out that, I want it, and I want it now. And some of us, I think, may have allowed ourselves in some small ways or maybe some large ways to become like that little girl. We want everything that this world has to offer and we want it right now. In fact, we've developed a society where you don't even have to leave your house anymore. Many jobs allow you to work from home. You can have groceries delivered right to your door. You can have a garage come and grab your car, take it to an oil change, come and drop it off again, even though you're never driving it. A lawn service will maintain your yard and shovel your snow if you can afford that. In larger cities, Amazon can have many things at your doorstep within an hour of you ordering it. Sometimes it's even delivered by aerial drone. They have a little landing pad you can buy, and it'll like go through the city, find that landing pad, and drop your box right on the, the landing pad. Yeah, I'm just waiting to see one of those hit a TV an old TV antenna that's still up. It's kind of cool living in our time, but it's also very, it's, it's almost, it feeds into that consumerism. It's kind of like, Veruca Salt escaped the chocolate factory and created a world where she could have everything she wants and have it right now. And the problem with this world is it creates a heart that covets more. This whole world just feeds covetousness in our hearts. But you know the one thing that God gave us to destroy that coveting mindset? Thankfulness. Being thankful for what we have, but we forget about that. We don't even want that. I think sometimes we never slow down. We never look around. We never see what we already have. We have closets of clothes we don't wear. We have garages filled with stuff we never use. We have basements filling up with stuff that are boxes that we've never opened. I mean, it's just it's it's just destroying us as believers and as the believers are destroyed so is the church and that's what i want to rediscover this morning i want to rediscover and reintegrate the idea of thanks living within our lives and the first way i think we can develop a life of thanks living is realize this we don't deserve anything other than hell and I know what you're thinking. I you said, wow, Pastor John just went completely off the rails. We're just discussing really cuddly family stuff, and he went to damnation and hell in one paragraph. But it's true. Most of what sucks our joy away is unmet expectations in life that we often blame on God. Like he owes us something. You know, he really doesn't. In fact, if you're a Christian, you started being a Christian by begging his forgiveness for being guilty of high treason against the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Even today in America, the penalty for treason is death. And before you accepted Christ as Lord and God and Savior and King, you were a dead person walking. I mean, picture this for a moment. What was the worst day or experience in your life? Whatever it was, and I'm sure it was horrible, and I don't mean for you to to relive it, and I would never downplay how awful it must have been, but you would beg for that experience if you were in hell because it would be infinitely better than what you were experiencing there. That's why the first step toward thanks living is being eternally grateful for what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Anytime you see a cross, it should fill your heart with gratitude. If you were here last week, we played a song at the end of service that had this thought expressed through song. It said, O to grace, how great a debtor. Jesus saves. Man, that's my life verse. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. I bring nothing to God's table except the grace of Jesus Christ. He who is without sin became sin for us so that we could have the righteousness that God requires. And if God did nothing else for us, That much alone should fill our heart with gratitude and thanks. But you know, God didn't stop there. I read something several years ago. It said if you have clothes on your back, a car to drive, a roof over your head, and food in your belly, you're already richer than half the world's population. Give thanks to God. And live with that thanks in your heart. And it will help you on the journey toward thanks living. The second way we can live a life of thanks living is realize that this life is temporary. And being totally present in this life matters. There's an old saying that he who dies with the most toys still dies. You know, I haven't seen a hearse with a trailer hitch for a U-Haul trailer. I haven't seen one of those yet, and I've been to a lot of funerals. And take a moment and think, what's your most prized possession right now on on this earth? For some, it might be a piece of jewelry, maybe a wedding ring, or an heirloom passed down from a beloved relative. For me, it's probably the huge collection of books I have, and or maybe my hunting collection or or hunting equipment or guns and some old paramedic patches and badges from old jobs and a few things from my military service that I still keep. But you know what? I won't have any of that in the grave with me. I'm not going to buy two plots, one for me and one for my stuff. I'm not going to be like an Egyptian pharaoh and make this huge pyramid to be a mausoleum for me and my earthly possessions. All this stuff that we try to accumulate in life, it's just temporary. We need to focus on what we have, especially and in including the time that God gives us. And We need to be thankful for it. You know, for most people, and studies spare this out, the worst enemy for time-wasting right now are smartphones. And I know I talk about this a lot, but I'm seeing more and more and more studies that are starting to show the negative impacts of cell phones in people's lives. Interesting statistic from the medical field I just read in a nursing journal, I read doing some work toward my, my bachelor's degree. From the year 20. Ten until now, cases of cervical spine kyphosis—that's an abnormal curvature of the spine—and nearsightedness have increased exponentially. That's from people doing this constantly. Do you know what else has spiked since 2010? Not just your eyesight and and bad—not just your eyesight and getting bad posture, severe depression and mental health disorders, especially ones that deal with dopamine dysregulation. Dopamine is your reward chemical in your brain. Serotonin is the one that balances that one out. That's why people take serotonin reuptake uptake inhibitors, because too much serotonin leads to depression. The problem is, is dopamine being the reward neurochemical, it makes you feel great. It's what smartphones, and in particular, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and especially TikTok. If you have TikTok, please get rid of that. And I have in my notes here, don't rant about TikTok because it's it's literally the worst program out there for this. But they directly stimulate your dopamine receptors to crave more dopamine, which your brain tries to keep up with, until it runs out and then serotonin gets out of control and causes major depression. And you can the findings that they're, they're, they're coming out with studies now that says that these different things with, that smartphones give you, the programs, can cause an addiction similar to at least nicotine and in severe cases, heroin. People actually can go through withdrawal if you take their cell phones away. If we're supposed to live with eternity in mind, we should remember this. You know what we won't have in heaven? Smartphones. I praise God for that. Mine drives me crazy most days. And I bring this up because Thanksgiving is coming. And you know what many families will be doing? They'll all be gathered in the living rooms and and tables, and they'll all be going like this. Sitting in the same room, they'll have earplugs in, listening to music, playing games, Staring at a five-inch screen and not actually spending time with each other. This last week, Monday night, I was in a room with a family saying goodbye to their loved ones. He came in in cardiac arrest. We got him back, but it turned out that he suffered brain death. And so we had to actually turn off life support for him. And I was thinking about this as I was, making this, as I was writing the sermon. And it occurred to me that in that room when they're all surrounding the bed and everybody's crying and I'm sitting there going trying to hold it together because I need to be the professional. And and it occurred to me, you know, no one was looking at their phone. No one had earplugs in or earbuds. No one was was trying to take pictures or anything. They're all just expressing their love for this person before we shut off the life support. Then it occurred to me how many minutes did these same people potentially waste being around this person while they were still alive staring at a screen isolating themselves from people trading themselves, trading in what is real for what is digital So as I said, Thanksgiving's coming up. Friends and family, we're all going to gather. Let's do ourselves a favor. Take a couple pictures of what you're eating. Post it to Facebook, sure. Then put the phones away. Spend time as family. Engage in conversation and quality time with the people you love. Because if I've learned anything in 30 years in healthcare and over 20 in ministry now... There's going to be a day when you would take this $1,000 device and smash it on the ground for 10 minutes more with somebody you loved. If you do that, you'll be well on your way to living a life of thanks. Living. The third and final way to live a life of thanksgiving is to realize that God is everything you need. God is everything you need. We've touched on this this morning, but consider this illustration, and some of you may have heard it before, but it's a good illustration, so I'm going to use it again. A man worked hard all of his life. He had grown his business to the point of being able to buy some of the nicer things in life, and one of the things he had always wanted was a one bar of pure pressed gold like they had at Fort Knox just one bar of it. So he saved up and he bought that one gold bar to put on his desk. It weighed 27 and a half pounds. It was worth about $18,000. And he kept it on his desk as a a representation reminder that all of his hard work paid off. When he died, his family gathered to hear the reading of the will on the day before the funeral. And they were surprised that he requested that he be buried with that gold bar. And everybody wondered why. Well, let's turn our eyes into what was going on in the spiritual and watch this man as he enters into eternity. The man shows up to heaven and meets St. Peter at the pearly gates. St. Peter welcomes him into heaven and congratulates him for a life of serving God. And he notices that the man is struggling a little walking so he has something under his shirt. And since his infirmities were healed as soon as he walked into heaven he knows he's not limping because of illness so he said, why, why are you struggling to walk, sir? Well, the man showed St. Peter the package he was carrying under his shirt and said he wanted to bring this in for his mansion in heaven. St. Peter said, sir, you're in your father's kingdom. He has Everything you're ever going to want. Everything you're ever going to need. And nothing from that previous sin-stained world could ever pass this gate. But The man was insistent, and the line was beginning to back up. So St. Peter ordered the man, just just open the package and let me see what you're trying to bring in. The man unwraps the package, revealing the bar of gold that he took to the grave with him. And St. Peter looked at the gold, looked at him, And said in astonishment, you brought pavement with you? My friends, the Bible says that the streets of heaven are paved with solid gold. Gold so pure you can see through it. So why do we think this world has anything to offer us? God has created everything that is, was, and ever shall be. There is nothing on earth that will satisfy you like he can. That is why the devil's entire kingdom and his whole tactic is set up making you trying to doubt that one fact. That's the devil's whole tactic is making you doubt that God can supply your every need. And that's why so many people are miserable Because they believe the lie instead of embracing this truth. But let's be a different people this morning. Let's be God's people this morning. Let's learn to love what he's already given us. He's already given us salvation, family, food on the table, roof over your head. Learn to live in the moment, not to be distracted by the things of this world. And finally, don't love the things of this earth. Everything here is doomed for destruction. With someday when God makes the new heavens and the new earth. As much as I love the pictures and everything we saw, it's temporary. I love seeing it. I love the opportunity but it's going to burn someday. And God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. So put your hope and your love in the eternal things and you will be well on your way to thanks living.